I couldn't write in the ivory tower language of a PhD. However, when Mags has done that, I would love to get my teeth stuck into translating it into plain English that I can understand. You're hired. (laughs) That's fun. (laughs) That would be groovy work. You heard Ewan McIntosh there talking to us on the SESI staff room. Ewan McIntosh is the founder of the consulting firm Notosh. And if you want to find out a bit more about him, there's more in the description below. He's a man you want to listen to, and when he talks, you can't help but listen to him. And that'll all become a bit clearer later on in the uh, in the episode. You also heard from Mag Zamond. Mag Zamond is a friend of mine, a friend of Ceci, a friend of everybody. She's one of these people that, uh, if uh, if she was standing beside the Pope, people would be saying, "Who's your man standing beside Mags?" Anyway, uh, Mags, according to herself, is a retired teacher. Uh, again, according to herself, she's slightly tired but a happy researcher. She's almost finished her PhD and has several knitting projects on the go. She uh, loves life, loves family, uh, loves Ceci and loves her colleagues. She loves what she does and she loves teach meets. This Ceci staff room started off talking about teach meets and we're a bit late. We were meant to upload a day ago, um, but we're a bit late because... I listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. And in the edit, I felt that I buried the lead. What lead am I talking about? Well, at the very end of uh, the tail end of the episode, we talk about building the best school in the world with Ewan McIntosh. And that, to me, is an intriguing idea. I talked to him, I spoke to him about it, and frankly, if it wasn't for a fact that we were an hour in or an hour plus into it, I would have uh, drilled down a bit more into that concept of building the best school in the world. Anyway, if you want to know more about that, that's to come in the SESI staff room. As always, if you have anything to contribute to the SESI staff room, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact me directly on Twitter, at or you can contact uh, SESI directly on the website, www.sesi, that's C-E-S-I, that's Computers and Education Society of Ireland, dot i.e. we would love to hear from you and something that i haven't been doing i'm going to ask you if you've uh, if you like the podcast please subscribe please share if you don't like the podcast if you like the podcast tell a friend if you don't like the podcast tell nobody uh we were trying to build up our uh, our base at the minute so we would appreciate uh, your support uh, so please i think the kids say like share and subscribe uh, so we started off uh, asking you about uh, the origins of TeachMeet. TeachMeet is um, a meeting of teachers with no PowerPoint, with uh, no, one, no keynotes, uh, with no sponsored talks. It's the antithesis of every um, big education event that you go to. And it was designed to give a voice to teachers who normally whose voices would normally not be heard and to throw up surprises, both the surprise of that just genius moment from a beautiful new person that you've never seen before. And of course, the occasional dullest ditch water um, geek talk uh, for, you know, and, and the idea was if it's one of those, it's only going to last seven minutes, which is time enough to nip to the loo, go and grab a pint or, or do whatever you need to do, come back. And there was a pretty good chance the next talk would be a winner. And um, we had these, uh, it was born out of a frustration. I was at, uh, I remember at Scottish Learning Festival, or it might have been called SET back then. It was ancient, uh, in ancient times in 2005, in the uh, September time. And John Johnson, a teacher from Glasgow, and David Noble, who's a, a, an amazing teacher in the National Health Service, in fact, works in a, in a school for for kids who, who don't, um, fit in the mainstream um, schooling for lots of different reasons. We were having a chat about just how, you know, yes, the keynotes that were there that year at the festival were fantastic, but they were talking about stuff in the future tense that we'd been doing in the previous week with our classes. Mm. And we just thought, why are we sat here listening to people kind of singing to our choir? And we knew that lots of people in the audience would be the first time they'd heard about it, but we wanted something for us. And then, and we said, you know, that idea was pitched then as a vague, we should do something. And then at the, the Edinburgh Live um, uh, Festival later um, in that school year in 2006, 
it was the same again. And, and no offence to two um, people who I count amongst as friends, Will Richardson and Alan November were giving keynotes at this Edinburgh City Council technology event. Again, um, telling stories of stuff that were great, but we were already doing them. And in fact, we were doing them even better in Scottish schools. And yet our voices weren't heard. And I, I know that anyone in, in Ireland would share the same uh, tall poppy syndrome that we have here in Scotland, which is if you're doing good stuff, uh, don't talk about it too loudly. Yeah. So um, we said, let's go to the pub. Um, we, there was a pub relatively close by that had Wi-Fi called the Jolly Judge. And that evening um, we managed to corral about 14 people. Um, I, I got into the boot of my colleague's car. We transported nice. everyone we could in his Volvo. We stayed with me crouched illegally in the back, dropped us all off at the Jolly Judge, went down there. And that's where it was Scott Edublog's meetup, we called it. That's where Teach Meet was born. And we realized that, that through that first conversation, it wasn't just about technology. It wasn't certainly about blogging. It was about creativity, creative thinking, um, beautiful things that people were doing in their classes with their kids and so we needed a different name and that's where Teach Me emerged later that year um, back at that Scottish Learning Festival in September 2006 as a thing in a hotel bedroom that we commandeered and we packed 60 people into that bedroom for a, a learning uh, session that lasted about four hours uh, with free wine David wow. Weinberger, internet hero, was there uh, sitting on the floor because there were no seats left. Um, uh, even my mother came along. The whole family was there and it felt like a new family. It felt like a whole bunch of people whose voices were worth hearing, but they had nowhere to stand and share their voice. Mags, um, teach me it's in Ireland. Um, talk to me about them and, and your involvement. Well, something like what 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 Ewan said, it, it was a reaction to something that happened. I was involved in a group called SESI. You 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 are, this is where we are in the SESI staff mm. room. But very suddenly, very, very suddenly, we lost a day, a, a day of, of CPD that we had been given permission to take teachers out of school for by the Department of Education. And I had seen, I had seen Ewan and and the teach me at the Scottish Learning Festival and seeing that really it, it really turned my brain around and hearing David David Noel talk about what he was what he was doing and we, we just took a chance and there's a lot of trust in TeachMeet I think um, I think you will, will, will agree with this there's a huge amount of trust in each other in your peers um, of course every so often something might go belly up but we, we took a chance and Conor Galvin at the time was was chair of SESI kind of talked to Conor about it and, and, and we said look let's go for this thing this thing I always call it a thing because yeah. before you come up with teach me you were calling it this thing and and we we rented a hotel room 60 people turned up sometimes you'd hear 600 were there when, when everyone says I was there and for me I knew it was definitely a thing when I copied what I'd seen you and do and this is what teach me does it evolves from each other i sent people away to four different corners of the hotel imagine sending people out in ireland in a hotel <laughs> and saying talk about education i had four people who wanted to who wanted to uh, lead the conversations and i wandered through that hotel at about nine o'clock at night and i found the four corners and i listened into the four conversations and, you know i could hardly get them back to the room and for me, that's when Teach Me started in Ireland. And that's when I knew, I knew it was going to be a thing and something in my soul. I, I just knew there was joy in learning together. And I kind of knew it was going to be the thing that I ended up, I didn't know then I would end up studying it. But I, I, there was just something in that moment that I felt at the Scottish Learning Festival six months beforehand. Do you know, we can trust each other to teach each other. There's something really important in the context of that time, though, as well, which is that professional learning was never run in that way. And so actually a lot of the ways that people uh, go about running a really successful teach me today, you might look back and say, well, that's just good professional learning. Got to remember, in 2006, you paid big bucks to have generally American keynoters come and tell you how to do your job. You would have um, workshops where people with job titles of a certain pedigree would tell you the best practice that's how it was organized and in fact even the 
the SESI conference in 2007, I, I keynoted that. And I was stood in a room full of people that I considered, some of them were my kind of thought heroes, uh, teacher practitioners, but the people next sitting next to them didn't know that they were doing it. And it was also pre-social media. So there was no other way for people really to share their practice. A lot of people said, you know, I'm not really a writer, so I can't blog. You got to remember that YouTube was um, a couple of lip sync videos at the time. It wasn't really a massive big thing that people might consider putting a, a talking head up. And you couldn't just open up Zoom and record yourself and put that up on YouTube or use your phone because smartphones it didn't do that. You know, there, there was quite a lot of technological barrier to doing what was much easier in a pub or in a hotel, in a non-education environment, getting people out of their comfort zone. And I guess the question in my mind is always is, is this format still relevant today? When actually, if you go to a really well-run conference, there's loads of opportunity to network and connect and have informal dialogue and hear lots of voices. And then I see um, a badly run teach meet where you have three keynoters and the sponsor talk. And I think, yeah, there's still a need for it. There's still a need to remind people that this kind of grassroots um, movement shouldn't ever um, be assumed to be safe in the hands of a, a commercial or even a government-run event because there are always politics at play or commercials at play in those two things. Something um, that you've just said there that, sorry, has that, it's the person beside you at the teach me that's the key and that's come out of yeah. what i've heard from all from everyone i've been listening to for for four years now and it goes back to hours. it goes back to weiner's law of the, the the law of it's a cheeky law of, of conventional conferences you know the sum of what's in the room is much greater than the sum of what's on the stage we need to start listening to each other horizontalizing things yeah i always it's remember it's, that yeah on you go Hassan. Isn't it, isn't it um, funny, ironic, whatever you want to call it, that you're getting people, you're pulling teachers out of a non-education environment, putting them together to learn and to talk about education and to talk about what's, what's working for them. I always thought that a bit bizarre. But if you think, you ask any kid, what's your favourite um, experience at school? And it's the reason I was a French and German teacher. It's the school trips the foreign yeah. exchange, it's the Duke of Edinburgh award. It's all the stuff that didn't take place in a classroom. It might be a project that they remember that it was great, but generally the project involved something away from the classroom. The idea that learning um, is, that quality learning is the exclusive um, uh, kind of responsibility of the four walls of a classroom or a school is nonsense. And it always has been. Great learning happens when you're primed for it. And I would argue most school environments, schooling environments are not primed for all types of learning. They're really good for some. They're actually pretty atrocious for professional learning. That's why when people say to me, you know, would you like to, we're going to run an event, we need you to do it in our school. Um, I won't do it unless I can see the school for myself plenty of time ahead. And a few times we've just said, nah, this is a crappy environment. This is, uh, we're trying to help people teach in a different way, think about learning in a different way, and the whole environment is set up for the industrial complex that we're suggesting doesn't really work very well. And at the same time, there's a lot of quite traditional learning and teaching stuff that still needs taught. People need to know what feedback routines look like. They need to understand how to ask great questions in a class, and they need to be able to do that in their class. That's a different kind of learning. That's kind of like coaching peer-to-peer uh, -peer learning where you should be learning that stuff I think as you go with your kids in your class with a buddy on hand what we're talking about is kind of the breaking the mold learning which is you need to be away from business as usual in order to look back on it with a critical eye. Mags you were you, were, you wanted to jump in there? Uh, well I wanted to hop in there yeah and I was saying one of the lovely lovely things about TeachMate is it's the win what people really appreciate it's that little window into that classroom of where there is pocket of excellence or some, something lovely has worked for somebody and they don't get to show it to anybody. No mm. one gets to see it, but they can take it to a teach meet, do an Anna presentation. Look, this happened on Wednesday afternoon. X, Y, and Z, you know, the reaction was, and you can see people, this is when I find people pull their phones out and go click or jot something down, something for Monday, I'm gonna try that. 
next week. So it's kind of like a micro level of 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 professional and development. The other thing is that seeing into other people's schools because their their learning environment is different. And I always remember just loving hearing John Dabro. We did a um, a teach me in Redbridge in a, in a school. Um, talking of which, you know, they do happen in schools, but um, we did it in a in a great kind of it was a Victorian edifice of a school with lots of little rooms and winding corridors. It's the kind of thing that people, you know, Irish pub owners spend a fortune trying to recreate out of MDF. This school had the original Victorian kind of thing going on. And it was full, a rabbit warren of little rooms. And I remember hearing John Dabro st stood up talking about the, the learning centre that he ran for really challenging kids. And it was completely different from anything we had seen or heard about before. And what was interesting, he didn't show one photograph of the learning environment, but he painted such a strong picture of what this place looked like and felt like that we all wanted to go and work there afterwards. We all wanted to work for him. Um, and you get moments like that where you get that insight but going to Mag's previous point, the person next to you can also do the same. I always remember when we took we took Teach Meet to England um, at that Redbridge event. That was the first time it had sort of gone south of the border or over any border. Um, and then we, we went to the, the BET festival and we were given a space to run one there. And we were given, these were the days, £5,000 from RM to put behind the... Uh, the bar RM is a technology company for those who've never heard of it which might be mm. younger generations may not, never have heard of it and we had a great time but sat at my table next to me was uh, Juliette Heppel and she had been looking at learning environments um, uh, along with her father experimenting with learning environments with some of her students and I was actually more interested in the two-minute discussions between the talks so that I could learn a little bit more about her work, but it was also a professional connection and a personal connection that stays to this day. Um, and now we don't talk about learning at all. We talk about kids and um, holidays and going to the beaches and things like that. We don't really talk about work. For me, that's just as important, that, that kind of friendship group that I've grown, which includes John and it includes Mags as well. You know, there, there's um, just... In, in a way that matters more to me than the tips and tricks I might have picked up. And that's why when I see a host of a teach me rushing through presentations, trying to get as much as many people on the stage as possible, I always think they're missing a trick. You kind of want to leave people a chance to, to have a jar. And if you've ever gone to a folk session at the Cobblestone, um, you know what that's like. They'll play a tune and then they all stop. And the tourists are always hungry for more tunes and they sit there in silence waiting for the next tune as if it's a concert. That's like the traditional uh, conference almost. Whereas the locals and, and um, adopted locals like me will speak to the random stranger next to them about what they've just heard or about what's coming up or about what they're drinking or something. There's a human connection that's made. Why go to a folk session? You don't go to a folk session just to listen to the music. You shut up when the music's on. And as soon as it's done, you have a bit of banter with the person next to you. And I think that that's maybe why it works really well in countries like ours where we have a folk tradition because that folk tradition translates really well into learning. It's, I'm, the, I, I love, I love that analogy. I love taking it from the folk singing point of view and the sharing, because if you, there was a time, um, if you said to a teacher, why don't you share your work with another teacher? They'd be like, Oh, oh my no. gosh. No, <laughs> what are you animals? no way. But if you told that same teacher, will you tell us a story about something that happened in your classroom that worked? They're happy. They'll definitely yeah. they'll tell you that story. We we love we love a good story. We love to tell a story with people. You know, yeah. it's always we Jamie. They're always called Jamie or Kellyanne in Scotland. But you know, it's always the story, and and it adds the color that makes you actually listen to the story and then nick an idea. And that's the key. You want we wanted people to steal an idea, and um, everyone had to. It's George, George Bernard Shaw, isn't it? If I give you an apple and you give me an apple, we each have an apple. But if I give you an idea and you give me an idea, we each have two ideas. And I think that that's the, the principle. If you sit there passive trying to learn from the people on the stage, you're kind of doing yourself out of all these um, idea apples around you that you could be stealing. Yeah, and in Irish, in Irish, the word for that idea exchange, Sarah Jane, one of the, one of the Irish sessie teachers, she calls it a spraggle. 
So you just want to get enough of an idea of what the thing is so you can go and find the rest yourself. It's, it's a, a yeah. jump forward, igniting. It's, it's just gore. It's a lovely, it's a lovely thought. It's a lovely analogy. And look at Hassan, when you said about non-teachers and teachers being there, the coolest thing that you can imagine that people love about, um, about a teach meet is the mixture. Yeah. This is really weird. Most of the other professional development, by dint of its nature, that you go to, it's all French teachers at the district, or yeah. it's all science teachers in school, or it's whatever, everybody looking at one topic. But you go into a teach meet, you have got pre-arts teachers, um, teachers of teachers, primary, secondary, third, vendors. Like, you're not a teacher, Hassan. But mm. you go to teach meets and you run teach me so you've got everybody who's got the shared values around education listening to what they do at the other level and that i've had really good conversations about this should the teach me be just secondary just primary just whatever or should it be all of us in the pool together and all of us in the pool together is it's just it's on fire it's it's electric it makes it makes such a you realize you have more in common but i think the other thing is I, I realized this after a while and I think maybe after four or five years of these events beginning to happen more and more and um, it's funny you mentioned Conor Galvin because at the time yeah. he was doing a lot of the European funded work and I was um, I was one of the, the first teachers in Europe I only discovered this later but I think I was teacher 83 in e-twinning wow. and um, uh, I was I was a really enthusiastic teacher with far too much time on my hands, but I was I signed up and I was taking part in these events, and um, he was he was really keen. He loved it, I think, because it was uh, a chance to discover new talent. It was a chance to see new ideas and fresh ideas. Something really interesting though is that in traditional conference settings, you would hear this keynote. Get, telling stories that were vaguely familiar you'd seen it somewhere you'd seen the thing the example on a blog somewhere but i always find that their uh, sourcing was really weak why because they're the keynote they they're the ones that are meant to be showbiz hands making people feel warmed up and then um, at a teach me what you become very aware of is that in the room are the people who did the innovations the first time around that you're now building on and you're mm-hmm. you're sharing something back so generally people doff their hat to so-and-so or so-and-so who they, you know, I nicked this bit of the idea from that person and I've added this part onto it. Even in the first one or two teach meets, there were some uh, commercial providers who had had their, their app, uh, their tool, uh, broken by practitioners and made better. And they would share that. And that, that's what I mean by kind of having a, a trail. You wouldn't dare... Um, cast off someone else's work as your own in a teach me environment because someone would speak up, you'd be interrupted, um, or the or people would just start laughing at you, you know. Whereas in a traditional conference, and I hate to say it online, the idea that you can just rip someone off and get away with it is rampant. And unfortunately, in a lot of um, teacher innovation that I see online, as people share their practice, they're not giving a nod as to where things came from, which means you can't do what Mag suggested, which is go off and Google it for yourself and find out for yourself, because you have no idea where the DNA of the idea came from. And I think that's something that the physical event still keeps keeps people in check, because there's a really good chance that the person you're referring to is sat in the room. Can, can I do an anecdote, um, Hass, which, yeah, is on that, which yeah. is on that level, that beautiful, beautiful level of humility. <laughs> Uh, I got an email once from someone saying, Max, there's a teach me coming up. Can I do nano presentation, please? Whatever. I want to talk about audacity. I said, yeah, sure. Irish teachers love audacity. Yay. Let's go for that. And we went to the teach me and this very, very humble man came up and said, I want your help to translate audacity into Irish. I'm James Crook. Hello. So, this <laughs> <No way>. was... <laughs> so here we are. You know, it was just the, I almost, I think it's the only time I actually almost swooned at, at a teach me, but this, this is what you and I think is referring to this extra, extreme, extreme humility that yeah. we can sometimes find. It's lovely. And it, it, you don't find it online in the same way. People do seem to operate and they understand that, it, well, you know, if I, if I declare this piece of work my own, then it must be, um, you know, and I think it's, 
I think it's a, I think that's that's something I would love to maybe take on next is that you think about what what can a teach me do now that it couldn't do um however many years ago it is now the the potential for so if you go back to 2006 2007 there weren't that many people sharing online i think Mm. there was a point i don't know when probably around 2012 2013 where i used to be able to read all the people that i admired on an rss reader um in a more you know of an hour in the morning and then there was a real tipping point where a lot of people were sharing their practice online and now you've got these blogs with huge followings you know, nine million teachers following a, a particular teaching blog with teaching tips and you've got the amazing kind of teacher toolkit um uh, with ross and his team mm. developing ideas you've got um incredible low-cost uh, publications from people like crown publishing and other yes. folk like that um where practitioners and, and people who are not practitioners now but have a real craft at writing and explaining teaching ideas are able to share so there's a point where I sort of think, well, if I had if I had two and a half hours of time or three hours of time, would I go to a teach meet to hear about those things, or would I just buy the book on Amazon and read it and dip into it in my own time? And I think that's a risk for any any kind of professional learning is that the, the you've you've always got the status quo of just not learning. You've all then got this new thing of actually really cheap, highly personalised uh, approaches to getting what you think you already need. So teach meets have really two things up their sleeve. One is serendipity, throwing stuff in front of you that you would never have thought to ask about, look at, or bump into. And I think that's a massive uh, rule. Uh, because they're linear, there is no choice. Um, you, they, they are done by surprise. It's a raffle draw as to who speaks next. So there's no pre-program that makes you decide whether you're going to go or not. That serendipity has really got to stay. And I think it's quite a unique uh, positioning, if you like, for, for a teach meet. But I think the other thing is, if teach meets were able to help people trace the roots of ideas, you would have something fascinating. And I don't have a clue how you'd go about doing it, other than each person contributing, taking maybe a little bit more care to try and trace the ideas, or having time at a teach meet for the participants to help identify where the DNA of an idea has come from. Because when you know where the DNA of an idea has come from, it makes you able to change the idea and make it even better. It's, it's about joining the dots. I, I, I'm yeah. always saying this, and it's not my line at all. Like as Steve Jobs said, it, we can look forward, we can look, you can, yeah, I think you can't join the dots looking forward, you can join the dots looking back where you came from kind of thing. But he also, also said you got to have enough jo- dots to join up in the first yes. place. Yes. And I think that's where the, the power of the room being there in a hot house for 90 minutes or two hours gives you more dots than you would know what to do with. But you got to give people time to help join all those up. And I would love to see that visualized with an illustration or maybe it's post-it notes or whatever. But imagine the, the DNA of a teach me actually being something that you can see after the event. Maybe it's on a mural board and you can see, well, the person talked about that and these are the ideas that are in it, which came from um, these people. And I think that that would be fascinating to try once and see if it offers any value. But I know you, ideas are worthless for me unless I know where they came from because it's a little bit like playing music. If you If you don't know what you're borrowing from, then you can't really innovate. You're only ever copying and pasting you can't really come up with your own sound and the same is going to be true for for ideas and teaching and learning and we're talking about creative teaching and learning we're not talking about best practice or research informed we're talking about having fun with ideas around teaching and learning and i think i know my my brother-in-law uh there was a teach me we organized in mayo and i remember asking i was blown away my first teach meet i saw it at sessi and i just went to watch this is amazing. So they're, they're up here. They're, they're not talking about, like you said, they're not talking about stuff like the best practice, the titles, the subtitles. They're talking about, I did this and this worked. I engaged with the student this way and it, it worked for me. So I, I, one of the teach meets, I thought, yeah, I have to, you have to pass this on. So I we went down to Mayo, told them in Mayo, we want to organize a teach meet for a Friday night. And people were laughing at me going, Friday night, are you insane? And something, you and you said, your mother was there. I had a table in the education center booked for just my family. 
you know, I love it. <laughs> my sisters, my mother. I said, just in case nobody turns up. But my brother-in-law was a teacher came up he said I, I have an idea but I don't know if, like is this what you're talking about and he had the words Mags you, you can help me here what 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 they have the words on the board the the you see it in classrooms now the topics well his oh uh, maybe the learning intentions is that's it? it that's it so he put all his learning intentions on little key rings and that was his thing and he said he he pick a load of key rings out of the bowl of, of a day and he said we're going to do this this and this and he he felt that that wasn't oh, that nobody would be interested in that but i've heard since that there are teachers doing it in a different in a different way and they're telling me about it just like you said you and they're going yeah. i have this great idea except it's not a key ring and i said i know where that came from and it was from a, a little teacher meeting. Mayo, Mags, you wanted to jump in there? No, no, that's that's really, really important. Two things that your brother-in-law said was, I don't think this is what people would like. Mm. I think, see what you think, you know, one of the things, and you touched on it earlier, Hassan, is that having a teach meet as your, as your sort of surround, people who might be a little bit reticent about stepping forward, the tall poppy, the whatever it might be, will will eventually, if we push them enough, I could name and shame a hundred people from Sessie who said, no, no, not, no, no, not me, not me, not me. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. And when they did eventually afterwards, there's always like a feeling of, phew, and it happens in Gasta and Bruhead and all the other sort of descendants, you know, of, of, of Teach Meet as well. Gosh, I'm really glad I did that. And it's one of the reasons I'm really interested in watching the student teachers a lot of places now are introducing their student teachers to the teach meet format with bianca our friend our late friend bianca negrogan who started it in the preble college here so and 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 um secure brennan and marino a lot of a lot of teachers teacher teachers are doing it now showing the youngsters you know this is what we can do and gathering gathering an audience for them and doing a teach meet event and they're not, they're growing up with it. They're not afraid mm. of it. Like you say, like you said earlier, you and now it seems like not a, not a new thing, even though I'm immersed in it and I'm studying it. There are, there are still tiny unique things about it that are important, but it isn't new. It was there before Teach Me, as you have often said mm. yourself, well, it was there before 2006. It, it's interesting you, that you the, do yourself down. The name that you chose, the name that you all collectively chose is really important. It the is. name and the branding of it is, is, it's all it has. It has nothing. It doesn't even have a .com. It has nothing except the name. And from that name hangs a kind of a mythos and an, and an ethos that I'm trying to, yeah. at the moment, I'm, I'm trying to document. Because that's I something think... I want to talk about, uh, Mag. Sorry, Ewan, for, for putting right. you off there. Because just in our own, just for the sake of this podcast, otherwise we'd be here for the next 14 hours talking about this. Just the growth of Teach Me, the origins of Teach Me, as John has kindly done up, uh, super producer John has done up a, a, a list for me to follow. So we've discussed the origins of Teach Me, growth of Teach Me, futures of Teach Me. Well, futures of Teach Me, I want to talk a bit more about that. Impact of Teach Me, I've mentioned kind of briefly. Mags, you're... You're not just, you didn't just introduce, I'm going to say Mags introduced Teach Meets Ireland. So that's it. I'm, that's, the, <laughs> that's it. I'm saying it. It's, it's true. But Mags, you're studying Teach Meets. Your whole PhD is about Teach Meets. How, how do you go from seeing, witnessing, yeah. attending a Teach Meet and then going, right, I'm going to do my entire PhD on Teach Meet. I'll tell you what how you do it, because like? you go to, you go out on a very, very wet, 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 wet Thursday night. You drive to Maynooth, you watch a Teach Meet, which, which just has all the joy. This is the word I keep going back to all the time. All the joy of learning in the room. And on the way home, in the drive and rain, you're trying to stay out of the potholes. And you're wondering, like, what causes this? A thing with just a name. Like, what? What, 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 what is it that brings this together? So I can't call that the name of my, my, my study. My study is an exploration into the nature and niche and essence of, of Teach Meet, the phenomenon. And I don't know, I'm nearly at the end and I'm looking forward to telling people everything. But actually, 
the origins and the growth comes down to something like it's like I want one of those you mm. you the thing about teach me is that it begets more teach me and Ewan is the only person who really can't talk about this because he started the first one with John and <laughs> he started the first one with John and David and the rest of us sort of no no I, I do you a disservice well, you, you also, I'm going to come back you, in that you, you midwived it, you midwived it <laughs> and, and fostered it beautifully. But when somebody of a certain nature goes to a teach me, they walk out that door saying, I'm going to do one of those. I want mm. one of those for my friends. I call these people the bringers. I want to bring it to others. So there's but, something, something in the DNA that's really important, mm. probably not known or maybe it's not important, but I actually got in so it didn't the idea didn't emerge from nowhere either that's that's the truth of it so in 2005 i went to paris in december as a speaker on a panel at a thing called le web Uh, no it was called le blog it was before they discovered the rest of the web so it was a french conference run by louis lemaire big french entrepreneur living in san francisco now and um i was on the last panel of the day on the monday and the audience had stuck around to hear about education and blogs and it was it if I'm honest, the other three panelists, uh, uh, they were talking about theoretical ideas of blogging. And with my kids in school, we had blogged for three years before that. So I had all these great stories to tell. And then realized from the IRC chat that was scrolling behind me that um, people were more distracted by my accent. A whole bunch of Americans basically in the room were distracted by my accent and not really listening to the stories we were told. One of them came up to me afterwards and said, I love what you're doing with students and um, blogs. Would you like to come to a bar camp that we're organizing? I said, oh, what's that? Thinking it was something I should have known about. Bar camp had started in August that year. This was one of the founders of that, Chris Messina, who is also the originator of the hashtag, uh, which has become a crucial part of Teach Meets, being able to communicate. So Chris invited me to the bar camp in Paris that he had uh, organized that he had put out there that it was on and so we all went to the the top of the Concorde Lafayette uh, bar in Paris in the 33rd floor and had a bar camp and it was really interesting just see it was very informal and that's what made that was a seed planted in 2005 and that uh, in, in the the following um, year uh, early 2006 I along with two others, started Bar Camp Scotland. And it was for the tech industry in Scotland, and it was the first time it had been done. Um, And it was a a venture capitalist, a tech uh, investor, and me organizing this event. And um, at the time, Twitter was playing off Jaiku. And Jaiku was a Finnish uh, Twitter at the time. And we we all thought Jaiku was going to win, but that's how people communicated and we were using keywords like teach me and it had to hang together. If it was too long, people would forget it. And if it was two words, you wouldn't be able to find it. And when you look for teach me, there's nothing there. And so that's why the, the name is important, but it also sums up quite a lot of yeah. what it's actually about. It happens to. Yeah. Um, and it, that's, so I went to a bar camp and I was inspired to start yeah. a bar camp in Scotland, which then also inspired me to say, you know what? Half the people at that bar camp were actually in education, higher education mostly, but they were all in education. Let's do something for teachers. And that was the conversation we ended up having at Scottish Learning Festival. And when you think about the number of conversations that happen in schools, the the challenge I think is people have probably organized things like this without even knowing they've organized it. Um, Lots of discussions happen in schools about how we could do things differently, do things better, and then no one acts on it. No one goes off and actually puts it into action. And I think that's something any learning organization could do better, is um, hold people to account in a fun, informal way. If you have a conversation this week, you will have a a conversation this week. Um, It's going to lead to a great idea. Have you got your book where you write down your ideas? And at the end of the week, can you translate one of those ideas into a thing that you're actually going to try? And if every school, if every university did that, can you just imagine the number of grassroots ideas that would be buzzing around our schools and buzzing around our organizations? We wouldn't need conferences anymore because people would be doing the work and networking is part of the job. Um. Ian, you raise you raise so many points there of 
how how do we capture that like how how do where do we go from here what's the future was, teach me like there was what? that attempt to capture in video format a leon sitch did a heroic effort trying to capture videos of everyone speaking and it was a great effort but it doesn't you're either going to attend a teach meet or not you're not going to sit there trawling through hours of video footage uh, there are blogs everywhere about stuff people have been inspired by in teach meets um, but again you have to really want to go and bump into that kind of stuff yeah. and the idea that it's a somehow a course or a talk that you can learn from after the fact I think we've already said it's not the talk that's important it's the yeah. discussion that happens in the corridor and the table in between times so I think the capturing is less important actually than everyone committing pledging to do something on the back of it it might be to start doing another teach me or it might which is the kind of traditional rallying call but it might also just be i am going to take one thing i've learned from this and i'm going to apply it in my classroom and if we knew that that was going on that's a huge amount of change positive change happening in schools with very little cost behind it um very unplanned and very organic, but if it's good change uh, and it makes an impact on students' experience, generally those ideas tend to spread pretty well. Yeah, um, it, it's something that came out of the bar camp um, philosophy and something that that um, Stephen Howell said to me one day. It, it's 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 kind of like the opposite to Fight Club. The one thing you do after teach meet is talk about <laughs> teach meet, whether it be that idea that one idea that you bring back to your staff room from it, or that you will have another teach me, but that it must it, it must flow on organically rather than sort of let's build more of these. It must, it must kind of flow its own way. And one of the things I found people saying is they really, yeah, they want it to flow on, but, but as it, you know, to, to, to evolve as it has evolved it's only 16 it's only like a little baby teenager mm. yet so so let it let it grow and 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 don't try to fence or or corral it or bottle that's it. one thing i get asked all the time is when are you organizing the next teach meet and i have to say I, it's not up to me to organize the next teach meet yep um it's yeah. The, like there's an education center and it's there and it's there to be used let's go let's meet and let's talk about stuff that you're doing in your classroom and let's share those ideas and we share them amongst amongst ourselves um what do you think and this one is for both of you keeping in mind that we can't capture what is that you can't capture a lightning bolt but it's, you can't capture teach me but what does the evolution of TeachMeet look like, in your own opinions? Part of me, it's going to sound a little bit cruel, part of me doesn't care because it's not mine to care about. Cool. Which make, and, and also, I, I have two kids, I have a ridiculously busy job as well, and I understand from a user perspective how hard it is to justify leaving your family for an evening to go and learn in that way. So I think that it, the healthiest thing that can happen is when people from Teach Meets talk to each other off the record, if you like, and away from the actual event itself. And you see that happening. There's something emerging, which I find really unhealthy though, which is this kind of um, uh, us and them cliques on Twitter, uh, on social media, um, uh, haranguing each other over whether something is good or bad. Uh, for learning and teaching. I'm tying it into a bit of a slanging match around um, whose ideas are best. And all of this discussion is about uh, research. It's about um, philosophical approaches quite often. It's not actually about what happens in a classroom. Teach me was always about what happens in a classroom. So I think if we could create um, that very pragmatic, this is what we do in my, this is what I do in my classroom, this is what we do in our school. If we can change the language around the way we talk about um, progressing change in a school for the better, to being less philosophical, less ideological, and make it more about ideas that have been worked on and have either worked or not worked but people have learned from them then I think that would be a, a really positive next step even if there were never another pub uh, filled yeah. with teachers 
if the dialogue around education could really shift quite markedly towards practice uh, that has worked and practice that has not worked and people are prepared to share and learn from it, then it, I, I would be very happy. Mags, you wanted to jump in there. Well, look, I'm a biologist and evolution takes place in little jumps and starts. It's organic and you can't force it. And circumstances sometimes, you know, ch change the run of things. But you know, like, it's already started to evolve within the 12, within the 16 years of TeachMeet, Daryl Simon Egan and Ed Finch have started through it and um, taken maybe a more Ed Camp twist on, on the TeachMeet. Pedigoo has started back up in Scotland again. How come you keep on starting things? Um, Tom Faraday here in Ireland has taken the, the Pechacucha push through TeachMeet of, of Gasta and it's wonderfully popular with, with people who are at a big, big conference and they want, they want a, a blast of air in, in between. So look, it's, fi it, 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 it's finding its own level and we haven't mentioned the pandemic. Pandemic has brought it right back to its roots. I don't know if you remember um, Ewan, but in the very first year you were inviting people to join in via Skype if they couldn't get to the thing. That's so right. My old colleague Ian from Isle of Isla was one yeah. of the first. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's like really what I'm finding it, and I'm kind of looking at it from a drone's eye view. I'm trying to get up here and look at everybody um, and, and what they're thinking. But to be honest, it's it's there are a few essential, essential signature elements that have to be there. And you're very humble. The, the, the role of the MC is really important. It goes back to the session. And sometimes I'm thinking it's almost like teach me is like hip hop. To, to classical music, the BMC is very important. The open space technology from which Barcamp and Teach Me and Edcamp all came. That that ability to get up and walk away, lob two feet, whatever. If if you're not happy, so once that very central core, the one thing I would say is people love the idea of Teach Me. It's its own worst enemy. The name is wonderful. The risk is the greatest benefit is the greatest risk. Let's have a teach meet like Mrs. Merton. Let's have a teacher debate. So people say, let's have a teach meet, but go into it without knowing what it is. So I would say find its DNA, find its origins. Um, read my book when I get it sorted. <laughs> read my I'll have one A4 page for us. And I, even that I'm I don't want to do it. It's not prescriptive. Mm. It's more about it's a it's about atmosphere and ethos and trust. It goes back to that thing, though, of knowing where ideas come from. And as yeah. you say, I think a lot of people pick up on ideas without knowing where the idea comes from, um, which is why there are some, effectively just, I'll, be, I'll, I'll say it, they're copycats. It's the same thing with a different name. Why have they done that? Because they didn't really understand what the original thing was in the mm -hmm. first place. Um, and that's, that's not just about this. There's so many ideas in education where people don't know where it comes from, which is why people keep having to bang on about the same old thing. And people make the same old mistakes. Um, which is great if you work in our business because you get to solve them all out for them again. But it's um, you, you've got to, in jazz music, they say you've got to pay your dues, which means you've got to do your homework and work out where stuff comes from so that you can then improvise on top of it. If you've ever heard someone who's not done their homework trying to improvise, it's painful. Um, yeah. And the same goes for this. Yeah, there's a lovely feel of apprenticeship through it, um, Has that I'm finding people who who just went because they were really curious. I want to know, what's this thing about? And then it kind of, well, I did something last Thursday. I'm going to share it at the next one. And then the third stage, well, look, this is really, really good. I'm going to bring it to my colleagues or bring it to my mm. town. So there is a lovely feel of just organic apprenticeship. Um, teachers passing things on to each other, telling stories around the campfire. I lo I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of teach meets that goes without saying, but I've, I'm annoyed. It annoys me, to be honest, to be sitting in a staff room that's a very big staff room and to have, and I use this example all the time, you and, and Mags, I, you have a technology teacher on one side of you and the technology teacher is talking to me and going, if only we had some sort of robotics thing to do a thing, I'd be able to engage with my students more. And then you go to the other side of you and you have your um, your technology teacher or so you have a technology teacher or you have a, a, a woodwork teacher or, or a metalwork teacher and he's saying I have a whole bunch of these robots if only I knew how to code them and I'm sitting in the middle going have you actually met each other like seriously 
have you have you met each other and it's something that that um was said and i can't remember on which staff room but the staff room the actual staff room in a school is such an amazing place there's very few um working environments normally a working environment it's it's all coders or it's all accountants or it's all whatever in the school staff room there's musicians and there's linguists and there's engineers the point, was, the point i was making is you have the staff room is such an amazing place and an awful lot of the time there's no communication happening within it although teachers could write frankly yeah. could write a paper on communication within a school without the use of emails and that um you and what what projects are you working on uh, at the minute that that you want to tell us about because i know i i have a cheat sheet here in front of me i i so I want you to tell me about that project you're working on. Well, I think that it's inter- it ties in quite nicely, actually, because the um, we're talking about adult learning. And the reason your staff room can't be that place is because it's the wrong context. It's the wrong time with the wrong people, the wrong politics, uh, the wrong energy and the wrong drink in your hand. <laughs> Um, it's all the, all the wrong stuff. Um, so the the context for adult learning is something that's often neglected, and not just in education but in life. So with um, an incredible woman, Andrea Mitrea in Romania, um, she approached us uh, just before the first lockdown of the the pandemic um, began to hit, and was actually about to pull the plug on the project. And he said, "Look, um, all of our other customers have left us. You know, we lost eighty five percent of our customers in the space of 10 days um and i said you know we, i've got time which is rare let's just do it we'll pay some sweat equity and if we get this uh, idea off the ground i'll be more than proud of it and in the end i should first of all point out we got every one of our 85 percent of those clients back bar one um they they eventually uh, realize that things don't just stop they, they, in fact it's the opposite we need to keep developing ideas and developing people um but in the meantime, we had created a new school out of nowhere. And it's remarkable because um, the business model for the school is innovative. It's actually a construction project where we've built a village um, during the pandemic uh, in the hills of Transylvania next to the city of Kluge. And um, all of those sold and they needed a school. So two of the houses were knocked together to make the first school. The construction of phase two, which turns this village into a town, is underway and all those homes are being sold, which means we're able to um, open a middle and high school in a couple of years. And we've just hired our first head of school, uh, all the way from Buenos Aires, um, an Englishman coming with his family to the hills of Transylvania to, to run that school. What's magic about the school is it's not for children. Um most schools have this one group of learners and Colina Learning Centre has two children and adults. It's actually a dual curriculum school because we felt that you, know, you can, or the, the vision uh, for the school is that we'll build a learning culture through every home. And I think actually a lot of schools would have that as a, as a purpose, as a goal, but you can't do that unless you're in every home. And so, um, the purpose of the school is to support everyone, adults and kids, to learn how to thrive in life. And the curriculum is designed in a way that um, the children have their programme, which is tied to standards, New York State standards, in fact, um, and will lead to qualifications in a traditional sense. But alongside that is a curriculum that parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, locals in the community can engage with to talk about the same themes in a different way and look at how they um, grow their, their brain, their heart, their, their physical health, uh, their spiritual health as well. And, and kind of um, the community is uh, incredible. It's a, it's a school that has its own organic farm on site. Um, it has um, uh, an incredibly robust, rigorous early years curriculum in place already. Um, and the learning is designed for children and adults equally. And I think that that's phenomenal. And the, the impact it's had when we, we hadn't even advertised any jobs and we find ourselves with job applications streaming in because people said I just want to work for that school that's the kind of thing I want to be part of and so in August two years two and a bit years after helping to create the vision and the purpose and the curriculum and the the 
even the, down to some of the physical aspects of the school. I've never actually been on site and I've never met any of the team in person before. So in August this year, I'll get a chance to go and hang out in the school that I helped to build for the first time, which is extraordinary and crazy. I'm looking forward to it. That sounds amazing. I, I have absolutely no words than other than that sounds amazing. It it's really crazy. Does. And they, the good faith, we talk about good faith, the good faith they showed in us. Uh, this is a, a kind of VC, venture capital type people from Silicon Valley who've, you know, they've made their money. They want to invest it in something worthwhile. And they, they fell in love with Romania, as a lot of people do when they visit it. Um, and they said, right, we'll, we'll build a village and we'll build the world's best school, which is basically what we're trying to do. Um, but the, I met with the board and said, yeah, they, they said, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen with construction, whether the project's going to be a success, because no one knows what's happening in the world at this point. This was in March uh, 2020. And when I said, look, I'll do it for free. I'll do it in return for good feeling. Uh, they said, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm in. And they trusted us to do good work. And what we've done is just blown expectations out of the water. So there's a whole new Romanian family over there for me to enjoy at some point when I get over. We'll build the best school in the world. Um, folks, that's the show title right there. <laughs> you don't have to actually manage to do it, but trying is the important part. Yeah, I don't, I look at, I don't, uh, Martin Luther King, he's, he didn't say I have an idea. He said, I have a dream, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. And it's, it's it. also, it's interesting, I think schools have to think about their families. When you're starting from scratch, you choose the family that you want to come to the school. So we want to be the best school in the world for dynamic, enlightened families who want to thrive in this kind of connected world. So most of the people moving to this community are home workers. They are digital people. Um, they understand, they have a sense of design. They don't think that their kid is going to necessarily go to Harvard. Uh, to be successful in life and um, so they're they're also making the school what it is they're quite a refreshing brunch and can i ask can i ask a, a a silly question what does what does it look like what does the nine to five look like or what does you walk in the door draw us a picture it's uh, having never been it's quite hard to draw a picture. Um, this is this but, is exactly why I asked yeah. you, because I want <laughs> so, to hear your picture. And then my next question is, I wonder, will that picture match up to? Well, the, it's inspired a great deal by um, Scottish uh, Gordonston Expeditionary Learning, influenced by all the work that um, uh, Ron and, and Ron Berger and colleagues over in the States have done in expedition, expeditions influenced heavily by what then the team at XP school in, in, in the north of England have done with it, um, infused with the research and the design cycle that we've been working on for the last 12 years. So when you walk in, you'll see kids, whatever age they are, they'll be in one of five stages of learning. They'll either be discovering, which is all that immersing into something new. They'll be, um, uh, and, and that discovery is using all four senses. So they are out in the mud, they are in the garden, they're doing all that kind of stuff you know they're not just in a in a class or in a space and um, we have a dream phase which is allowing kids to dream like so this is what you've just kind of been exposed to what would you like to do with it and so work negotiating curriculum with children what do we do next researching so now that you've settled on a research goal go do your homework so be interested in stuff that you wouldn't normally be interested in um, expand what you know build your understanding of stuff that you think you know, but you're not sure, build your knowledge. Knowledge is, is super important in this as well, because they can't really progress their ideas unless they know, but they have a deep desire to learn new stuff because they've got this dream that they've come up with. Then really important, do it. So manifest, move into action. You can probably hear a little bit of teach me pedagogy coming in there as well. So, you know, <laughs> shaping, uh, get feedback and keep going, persevere. And then the final part is transform. So really important is that we measure the impact of what young people or the adult learners actually achieve. So there is showcasing, uh, there is celebrating all the stuff you'd see in any school, but there's also looking at expanding beyond the school into the community. And actually we're exploring Colina Nua communities in lots of other places around the world, in Latin America at the moment. So there'll be that opportunity as well to share ideas and see if they work in a completely different context. Um, 
when you walk in, these are very little people at the moment. They are four, five, six years old at the moment. Um, we have double the number of uh, kids than we can cope with. Um, and so the, the need to expand is there. But um, if you want to see what it looks like, you go to kalinalearning.com. Kalina is Romanian for hill. So kalinalearning.com. Uh, and you'll see plenty of some of the most beautifully shot practitioner video that you will ever see in the world. The one thing we do really well uh, at Notosh and um, with the team at Galina Nua is uh, branding and storytelling. So you will see beautiful stories told in HD 4K. Uh, so enjoy going to, to have a look at that. And I'll, I'll have a link in wherever, wherever I share this. Um, uh, Mags, we look forward to your PhD. Uh, we look forward to reading it. Mags, uh, when, when are you, um, when, it, when, when, when can we get our hands on it? When can we have you go through the teach me at a talk Well, about let's PhD? say I, my student card runs out at the end of 2022. So like, there's your deadline sorted for you. <laughs> no, I'm nearly, I'm nearly there. I, I find the I find the writing as me difficult. It's easy when I'm writing the voice of you and or the voice of all mm. my fantastic, incredible um, contributors. But just I'm not a natural writer, as you can. I, I'm a talker, but I'm 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 plugging through. I'm here in my ivory tower, plugging through all the time. Um, can't wait to get to the real world, Hassan. Can't wait to get back to my my. Um, Turtle Stitch and all the yeah. other bits and bobs that I that I play with and Ceci, my Ceci folk and Maker Meets and all of that. Um, Look at the real world, as I call it. I I I didn't I didn't give you your full introduction at the start simply because I want to have you on again just to talk about Mags Almond, teacher, um, where you are sort of your journey to date, excluding Teach Meet, so to bring in the the Ceci side of it. So you, you will be back. You and I want you back just to s somehow harness some of that energy, that positive energy. I mean, seriously, if you could bottle that. <laughs> like, um, your, your, um, your energy is, is addictive, is that right? Like I, I think to you forever. My colleague, um, Brad Carter in Tokyo, he's a Canadian in Tokyo. Um, and even that might give you a clue as to his attitude in life. He, he's been part of our team for the last 18 months on some really challenging projects in the Middle East and, um, and other places internationally, but working at distance and strange time zones, which is never easy. And occasionally I get worried, I get worried about other people's energy working on those kinds of time mm -hmm. zones and with those kinds of deadlines. And it, there's two things he shared recently. We shared them in our provocation newsletter. Uh, this one was I think, just last week even that you can, when you're being asked to do work, you, he generally says either, yup, nope, or groovy. <laughs> yup means um, I'll do it. It won't take me two minutes. It's probably quicker for me to do it than you to do it. Nope means no, shut up, move on. I'm not going to do it. And groovy means not only will I do it, but I'll probably invest far more time than you're paying me for to do it because I'll enjoy doing it. And I think that's an, a very healthy approach to take to um, invitations, do things or requests. And then the other thing that he uh, taught me over the past 18 months is um, the choices we all take in life about the work we do. His thing is to do, and it sounds a bit hippie maybe, but his, his choice is to do cool work with cool people in cool places. Now, if you're a teacher in your school, you might kind of think, well, I'm, I'm stuck with two of those things. I have no control over those things. But even just cool work, make your work cool. And I think that you can complain about standards, you can complain about testing, you can complain about so many things in teaching, but there's actually a lot to love in it. And you've got to maybe, this is a good point, a spring clean almost, audit everything you're doing, ask yourself what you're going to stop, ask yourself what you're going to keep doing, and then the fun part is, well actually the fun part is what you're going to get rid of, what you're going to stop, but the other fun part is what are you going to start. And I think if you do go to a teach meet, you should go having already done that audit and worked out what you're stopping so that you've got room on your slate to get something new in there. Um, and that should that. be cool. It should be cool. Don't do, don't take on noble work that you feel you've got to do. 
I wouldn't do a PhD. I couldn't write in the ivory tower language of a PhD. However, when Mags has done that, I would love to get my teeth stuck into translating it into plain English that I can understand. You're hired. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> that would be groovy work. And I think that, that people yeah. people are worth, it's worth getting into that, that mindset of realizing you don't always have to do everything you're asked to do. Everyone's got a degree of agency, but sometimes you just have to have the, the courage to to say nope, um, so that you can say yup and groovy to more things. I love the idea of go to a teach me and think about what you're going to remove, what you're going to stop. You got to do that before you go. You got to do it before you go. Clean the slate. Don't go and go. I'm going to do something new. Just decide before you go. Okay, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to that. Yeah, I love it. Ewan McIntosh, Mag Zamond, thank you very much for joining me in the Sassy staff room. It's it's 